shotglassdigital.com. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks and their new Cosmic Cupcakes. To learn more, go to littledebbie.com forward slash Cosmic Cupcakes. With movies, gaming, books, comics, and collecting, a Little Debbie snack makes everything a little sweeter. Little Debbie, official snack of the galaxy. DorksideToys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit DorksideToys.com. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. All this time, the focus has been on the trio. What's going to happen with Harrison, Mark, and Carrie, and sometimes Lando. Lando's like the why. <laughs> Lando's the why of the trio. Like why, you know, A-E-I-O-U, the vowel. Sometimes why, sometimes Lando. But uh, this week, we've got some uh, news or rumor, classify it how you will, about uh, Chewbacca and Peter Mayhew. So that's coming up later in the program. Also... In the cantina with this Clone Wars writer, Christian Taylor. He's going to be talking about, of course, the Mortis trilogy back from Season 3 and the Yoda arc that uh, really wrapped up the whole series with uh, the, the, uh, the, the bonus missions. What do they call it? The, the, the Lost Missions, Season 6 on uh, Netflix, the exclusive. So anyway, great to have you with us. Uh, great to be with you here. Rebel Force Radio, this week's show for April 11th, 2014. Introductions in order. If you're new to the program, my name is Jason. And with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. A-E-A-E-I-O-U-U. And sometimes Lando Calrissian. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, it's always about the trio and then sometimes Lando. Yeah, and we have uh, a couple of uh, Lando stories tonight. Not one, but two Billy D stories. In addition to our famous quote of the week, we have Billy D news, actually. Yeah. We, have, uh, we, we, we want to put a rumor to bed. We want to debunk a rumor, and mm. we'll do that during our news headlines. Yeah, well, we will do that and uh, and so much more. And like I said, again, that uh, interview with uh, Christian Taylor, you don't want to miss that. But uh, so let's get right to it. We've got some news and rumors about Episode 7. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, Hollywood Reporter is claiming that they have inside sources that say that Peter Mayhew, that's right, Peter Mayhew, will be reprising his role as Chewbacca in the upcoming sequel, Star Wars Episode Seven. 
So uh, apparently there were rumors that surfaced um, recently while he was he had canceled an appearance at a Texas convention, a convention, uh, Comic Palooza. Now, Peter is a, and his wife, Angie, are residents of uh, the great state of Texas. And so this convention is scheduled for May 23rd through the 26th. And he's not going to be there, so fans were wondering if he would be tied up with Episode 7. Now, I, they don't really go on to say <laughs> what their sources, uh, who their sources are. They could be, for all we know, the fans that were speculating this as a result of Peter dropping out of the convention. Uh, this does dovetail on to Alan Horn's comments that he made prior this week. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about those in just a few minutes. Uh, but I don't know that they're relevant here. Um, when Hollywood Reporter reached out for comment from Lucasfilm or Disney, uh, they did not return with a comment. So I, I, I find this really hard to believe, man. I, I've, you know, I love Peter Mayhew, and believe me, I, I would love it if – you know, if he was physically able to do it, but I have no evidence based on seeing him at shows recently that that he would be even close to you know uh, being able to to play Chewy. The guy, you know, he's wheelchair bound for the most part. Well, listen, there's a reason for that. It's because he had bad knees. He, his knees wouldn't lock when he would stand up, so he was always wobbly need. But six months ago. Peter had double knee replacement surgery. And as someone who has had a wife who's gone through knee replacement surgery, I can tell you two things. Number one, six months is more than enough time to rehab and get your knees into shape where they need to be working really well. And how well, when Wendy got her uh, knee surgery, it changed her life for the better. Yeah. It took a little while for her to rehab it. Yes, she did have to go through uh, physical therapy and what have you, but it's been incredible, the change in the hmm. quality of her life since she got that knee replacement. Now, Peter had double surgery, and he had it at a time that gave him plenty of time to rehab and get himself into shape to where he can at least perform on film as Chewbacca in those hero shots, in those close-up shots, in the shots of Peter uh, working among other actors like maybe a Harrison Ford or a, or a Mark Hamill. And, uh, you know, of course, in Hollywood, you know, very rarely do actors do their own stunts. They'll naturally have a Chewbacca stunt double. But even more compelling... Did they in the original films? Well, Chewbacca didn't really do much, did he? Well, he's, he did the Tarzan. Right? Yeah, but, you know, that was just... How was that? Was that pretty good? Special, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty good impersonation. I was actually doing a Shia LaBeouf in uh, the it, Crystal Skull. Oh, God. Does he do the Tarzan no, yell? He totally does the Tarzan yell. You're kidding. Oh. Good God. Um well, I'll tell you what, though. That, you might be right. You might an be right. It's an obvious special effect that could have done with, just with Peter hanging on to a rope. Well, you know what? That's you know that's the thing. Now, look, I have a couple of thoughts about that because you're right. The way that CGI has evolved, the stunt the stunt double could be a computer, and not and not and not a, a human being. But you're right. For those close up shots, maybe they could use Peter. However. There is some that are speculating that J.J. will purposely avoid using or overusing CGI so that these films 
can sit right alongside of uh, the original trilogy, which didn't have those kinds of effects. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm I'm wondering. Okay, if 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 you're right, and and, I, and you are right in the sense that he, we know he had these surgeries and his knee replacement uh, about six months ago, which would have put this at you know certainly well within the window of time when uh, Disney knew what they were were planning to do. Do you think that the mouse paid for those uh, knees? Do you think <laughs> think if you opened Peter's knees up, you'd see like a little Disney indicia right there? <laughs> <laughs> on that, that titanium, the Walt Disney signature, right? <laughs> on yeah, his knee. Bob Iger's like, we gave you those knees, we can take them out. <laughs> that, now that would be a collectible for uh, Disney's that, fans and Star Wars fans. Peter Mayhew's titanium knees. <laughs> That'd be uh, really exciting. By the way, I'm looking at a get... picture of Peter, and I don't know if if he, as the older he gets, he looks like Howard Stern, or Howard Stern looks like Peter Mayhew the older he gets. Have you noticed this? Especially when he has the hair kind of pulled back. It's it's all about the hair. It's about the hair, right? So, but let's talk about the validity of this rumor and what I know, okay? Tell because me what I you do, know. I do know a few things here. All right, you know things. I, I've been sworn to secrecy. Uh-huh. Much like Hollywood Reporter, I will not reveal my source. But I have been hearing for, I would say, the last two months that Peter Mayhew is definitely going to be playing Chewbacca in the Star Wars sequels on the condition that he can physically perform on stage in the Chewbacca suit. I think we've gotten to a point now where the filmmakers have been able to determine whether, and Peter himself, have been able to determine whether or not he'll be able to withstand the rigors of filming wearing that big mohair suit, (laughs) whatever whatever it's made out of. What is he, the boy from New York City wearing the mohair suit? (laughs) In the fedora, just, you know, cocked on the side. No, I I really think that, you know, it's it's been determined that he can physically withstand the demands of filming. And so the decision has been made now, and it's it's being leaked out to the trades. And the Hollywood Reporter is a very reputable source. It's a very reputable source trade that has a history of revealing info that's actually been leaked on purpose mm. by yeah we're not talking about latino review here no 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 i i definitely um would put them on a higher pedestal um i would put them above latino review but just below variety ah okay and I'm- on top of it all this story has actually had some some uh, fire behind it because it's been picked up by such prestigious organizations as CNN, which Mm. ran with it. Now, when you have an organization like CNN backing up a story or even putting it on their airwaves, they also have done research behind the scenes and checked with their own source. You hope you hope. Yeah. But they just come short of confirming it. Now, we don't know, you know, what kind of politics go on behind the marketing of a movie. A lot of that stuff comes into play, too. And there's a lot of loose lips in Hollywood. That we know for a fact. Mm -hmm. Cannot deny that. But The Hollywood Reporter is a very reliable and reputable source. And because of the fact that it also syncs up with things I've been hearing from my sources over the last couple months, I feel comfortable in saying, you know what? I'm on board with this. I believe that th- there's absolute validity behind this story. 
Chewbacca will be back in Star Wars Episode Seven, and he will be played by Peter Mayhew. Well, uh, that, I would love nothing more. That would be fantastic, and, and God bless him if Peter is physically able to do it. I mean, there, there's absolutely no one, no one better. I mean, it, Jim, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about Peter or, or Chewbacca's uh, appearance on the Clone Wars and how Dave Filoni and his crew actually had Peter come out to uh, Skywalker Ranch and, and, and work with his animation team. To the, you know, to make sure they get the walk right, the gait right, the swings right, the the eyes. I mean, Peter, you know, a lot of you know people can just say, "Oh well, it was a guy wearing a suit." Much more sophisticated than that. And if you hear Peter talk, I mean, he he was able to use the limitations of that that face and being covered up to create this iconic character whose nuances and body language and everything really you know is a 360 degree uh character and um so you can't just you can't just put anybody in that suit i go back i think i've mentioned this before but if you watch the original halloween there is something about the guy that plays michael myers in that first film they were never able to replicate it never and i think the story was that the guy was actually just one of the crew uh it was a very low budget film and um he fit the suit they put him in there, and he just had a certain walk, a certain uh, air of mystery about him. It, you know, you just can't recreate that just because you put the same guy or, you know, put a different guy in the same suit. Yeah, it's been proven time and time again with the character of Chewbacca. Whenever Chewie's on a talk show or appearing on an MTV special shot at Lucasfilm, I can always tell if it's Peter Mayhew in the suit or not. Right. You cannot replicate the connection that he has with that character. The ownership he has of the main Wookiee. That's all Peter Mayhew. He puts so much into it. The walk. Just standing there. Yeah. I can tell if it's... The posture. The posture is there. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, really, so people are saying, well, you know, these guys, they're, they're just saying, uh, sources say, Jimmy Mack, you're just saying your sources say whatever. But, I mean, really, it's a very telling piece of evidence. Well, you're more reputable to me than Variety or, or The Hollywood Reporter because I know you. I wish. And I know you don't blow smoke. I wish. Well, I'm not blowing smoke. I certainly am not. But, I mean, really, if you want to look at a tangible piece of evidence it's the fact that he pulled out of a comic con in his own state due to filming is the official word now let's just look over peter mayhew's career and god bless him i love him but since since revenge of the sith he hasn't been exactly standing in front of the camera all the time you know it's not been a prolific career no no i mean what sort of filming would he be required to miss a Comic-Con at the end of May? It's so obvious that he is going to be in London shooting, if he's not already there now. If he's not already there now. I'll bet uh, you anything he's out there now. He could be, he could be well, what are, we, what are we talking about? April 8th? So um, we've got a story here, we might as well get into it, that uh, Alan Horn was recently interviewed um, on a program on... Actually, it was Hollywood Reporter, as a matter of fact. They have a a video program uh, on the website about Star Wars Episode 7. So we're going to play the clip, and then we'll we'll talk about what what we hear. So check it out. Alan Horn, this is the Hollywood Masters series. You are now supervising the new Star Wars. Yes. 
What's the toughest part about that? Casting. Have you cast it yet? No. Well, we have a couple of things. I can't, I can't disclose what we got, but we're, we're but casting. St- you shoot, start shooting six weeks? Yeah, we're, we're actually shooting some bit now. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're up against it. But also it's a screenplay because it has to be, you know, this is episode seven, so there's four, five, six, and this is seven, so it takes off where six left off, and where six left off is 35 years ago by the time this is released in December of 2015 in the theater near you. <laughs> so <laughs> you get free media here. Yeah, free media. I mean, I look at this group and I can't help but multiply by ten and think what, what we'd gross if you were at the Muppet movie right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just—it's um, all about the screenplay. It has to be screenplay, screenplay, screenplay. It has to be. It has is to the be screenplay right. not quite there yet? Or? No, it it's actually is now. Who's, I, I, who's doing it, the screenplay? Well, it's Larry Kazan or co-wrote it with J.J. Abrams in the early draft was done by a guy named Michael Arndt who wrote Toy mm-hmm. Story 3 2. Are, are you shooting three back-to-back or...? or no, for this, no. Just, okay. No, no we'll, we'll have episode seven. So shouldn't seven. you have the cast in place now? If you're yes, <laughs> well, we have, we have a lot of them. We, it's not completely done yet. It's you just haven't announced? We haven't announced. Okay. We haven't announced. We're being... Can you give us a clue? No, I just... <laughs> I'll give you the same line that I did in, in Vegas. Patience you must have. <laughs> oh, a little Yoda breaking it out there. Uh, it's actually not too bad. By the way, that the guy interviewing, I didn't mean to, to shortchange him, but it's Stephen Galloway. And uh, he's a staffer there at uh, The Hollywood Reporter. They were at Loyola Marymount University School of Film and Television in L.A., this uh, Hollywood Masters series. Check it out. It's very cool stuff. They've got guys like Judd Apatow and John Singleton and... Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, they're all on there. So, uh, but that was just a segment of uh, the interview. So, where he's talking about Star Wars. So, the interest, a lot of interesting things in there, Jim. Probably the most incredible is that it's filming now. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting statement, and it could be looked at in a couple different ways. But here's how I look at it. Yeah, there's things being shot for Star Wars Episode Seven, and there probably has been for a few months now. But we're talking about background plates. We're talking about reference lighting for ILM, going out, scouting locations. Well, scouting locations is not shooting. No, it's not. It's not. But when you're you're scouting it on behalf of ILM, you're going out there to get light reference. And you're going out there to shoot things that could be used as backgrounds. And I think that's what's going on. Now, when, when you say a film is shooting, that makes it sound like the director is on the set alongside with the, the main cast and crew. I mean, maybe there's some second unit stuff being shot, maybe some stunts. But I don't think J.J. Abrams is sitting there in the director's chair with the megaphone saying, action! And, and Mark Harrison and Carrie are acting out scenes of the new Star Wars. I just don't think that's happening yet. I believe that will be happening in May. I can't pinpoint exactly where J.J. is right now. I'm sure he's, uh, he's moved his whole family out to London, and he's heavily, heavily in pre-production right now. But his big day will come in the middle of May when uh, they go out, and I, I believe they'll begin with location shooting first, and then they'll move everything back to Pinewood and shoot on the physical sets then. Yeah. So that's what I think he means when he says the film is already shooting. It's at the very best second unit stuff being done with stunt actors or extras. 
things of that nature, uh, creating background plates for ILM. Well, I, I, I'm sure. And if, if they're doing, you know, there's we, we don't know for a fact, but but I, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to see more actual, real, physical models and some of the more traditional special effects, uh, uh, well, the ways, you know, uh, ways that special effects were done back in the original trilogy to make them more uh, symmetrical, make them work together, or perhaps they've just, they're going to modify the way they do the computer effects to sort of try to replicate the, you know, the look of, of, you know, models, etc. cetera. I, I, I don't know. So maybe some of that, you know, they got to be shooting uh, the Millennium Falcon, you know, flying by. Of course, there were rumors not that long ago. We covered them here on the show that the life-size set of the Millennium Falcon had been, uh, already built, so it could be a lot of things. I, I I agree with you that when he says it's shooting now, you're right. It's not J.J. Abrams there on the soundstage with Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. By the way, speaking of those guys, if I have to see one more silly cartoon of one of the three of them with a walker or a cane or something, you know, this bugged me back when um, – you know, the Star Trek films with the original actors were coming out. You know, since when is Shatner still doesn't use a cane? The man's 80. When's the last time? You know, I'd like to see some of these political cartoonists or not political cartoons, but these cartoonists, these people that are constantly showing Harrison Ford, who, yes, is a grumpy old curmudgeon, but he's not carrying a, you know, he doesn't have a walker with tennis balls on the bottom of it, for God's sake. You see similar, uh, Illustrations like that every time the Who or the Rolling Stones go on tour. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, Mick Jagger's banging 20-year-old models. But, you know, his, his, actually, what is his, his wife just passed away. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he'll be banging 20-year-old models pretty soon. He's not walking with a cane, I can tell you that. Uh, might be walking with a limp, but not for those reasons. Um Hello. Hello. All right. So, uh, oh, the screenplay. He says the screenplay wasn't there, or it was kind of alluding to the fact that it wasn't there in terms of ready or uh, up to their standards until Larry Kasdan and J.J. Abrams came in. Um, now, he he is does credit Michael Arndt for that earlier draft. So I'm, I'm thinking that Arndt is still going to get some sort of credit on the film. Uh at least, you know, maybe it's a story by Michael Art and George Lucas. I, I don't know. There, there's no talk about uh, George's involvement anymore. Have you noticed that, Jim? That's all dried up. I mean, the last time I think we heard about it was J.J. talking about getting cell phone calls from George. Uh, yeah, but I, but there hasn't been much talk lately about George. You think he's still getting those cell phone calls? Mm, what if he's not taking them? Wow. Oh. Well, you know, the iPhone has that new thing where you can send a text mm-hmm. if you want to deny the call. So he'd be probably not now, George. It's his text. Smiley face. Oh, really? I think I didn't so. Know that those things sent a text. I just hit deny or whatever. <laughs> well, that, that's for those of us, Jim, that actually upgrade our the operating system on our phones. Oh, yeah. You know, right, you're right. still on like know, hey, you you're know, still on like iOS three. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I am, and maybe I am. But that's <laughs> just fine because that's where I'm comfortable. Right. Right. You know, I could only take technology at little. Little skips and hops, not right. big leaps and jumps. I hear you. It works for you. Uh, what else did he talk about? Oh, this is interesting. So I, I don't want to read any, you know, too much into this. But he says, 
Uh, this picks up where episode six left off. And where six left off is 35 years ago by the time this was released. Yeah, that's a weird statement. Isn't that weird? It's a bizarre way he put it. Yes. It doesn't really pick up six, you know, right where it left off. I guess you could say it takes place after the events of the last film. I don't know if I would say where it left off and where it left off is 35 years ago. I mean, you know, you could you could say, oh, is he softening the blow here that we're going to have, you know, new actors in the roles playing the, you know, I, I don't think that's the case. But you know where I'm going, right? I do. But I'm just trying to figure out that statement he made because he says it's picking off where Return of the Jedi left off. And where that was was 35 years ago by the time we release this film. Yeah. So is it, <laughs> is it where Return of the Jedi left off or is it 35 years later? Uh, right, right, right. We've already heard yeah. that the storyline will be taking place 30 years into the future. Right. right. Alan Horn's boss, Bob Iger, said that. Mm-hmm. That was when you got thrown out of that investors meeting. Yeah, you know, maybe if Alan Horn would just concentrate and listen to what Iger's saying instead of making his goofy little Yoda impersonations <laughs> at these board meetings. Maybe when he goes to talk to the Hollywood reporter, he'd make some sense. Jim's well, elbows you know, and knees are still skinned up from being chucked out of that room. <laughs> they are. They are. And, and can you tell if I'm bitter or not? <laughs> but let's just say, you know, his whole rap was you can just tell he was distracted because he knew he was going to be getting to the Yoda impersonation and that's why he was there <laughs> that's the whole thing wait till the they whole hear this. thing right he <laughs> so he... all right so he calls up uh his buddy there at the Hollywood reporter and says i've got this great Yoda impression I'm dying to try it out on some people. <laughs> what do you say? And I'm going to drop a bomb and say that the movie's already already shooting. What do you think of that? It wouldn't be a surprise if Horn is the one who told Hollywood Reporter off the record that Peter Mayhew would be back as Chewbacca. Really? Ooh. Now that's a good conspiracy theory. Well, just I mean, to get that Yoda impression out. Just all this is all for the Yoda impression. <laughs> You know, maybe he's auditioning. Maybe Oz said, no, I really don't want to do Yoda anymore. What about that Alan Horn guy? <laughs> well, we got this guy, Tom Kane, we've been working with yeah. for years. Let's give Horn a shot. <laughs> Listen to this. Patience you must have. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's it for Horn. But uh, so those are the big takeaways. Oh, well, he did say, too, that casting is not complete. And then the, the, the guy interviewing, he's like, you know, very polite British guy. Well, Shouldn't you have the casting complete if you're feeling? <laughs> it's like, no, that's not how Star Wars is made. No, we don't need people. Right. That's why George yeah, well, created special effects. That's why, yeah. Well, you know, I think, um, I think key roles have been assigned. But there might be some characters sort of, you know, outside the main focus that they're still considering and still casting. I am surprised each and every week when we record this show that we are not talking about the cast of Episode 7. Yeah, yeah, me too. As we are a month away, which leads me to believe that maybe they are waiting for a May the 4th announcement, which would be counterproductive for Hollywood to do that. They rarely make big announcements on Sundays outside of their award shows. Hmm. 
That's the only mm-hmm. time anything happens in Hollywood on a Sunday is when they're giving each other pats on the back and golden statues. But it would be hard for them to have held out all this time and to have done all this work on episode seven. And here we know that it's going in front of the cameras about a month from now. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have that May the 4th date that already gets a lot of buzz from mainstream press. Lord knows, even I do some interviews on May the 4th. Wow. You know? So, I mean, I just think that that would have to be the day to capitalize. Yeah. And do you think Annie Leibovitz is already framing up the shot that's going to be on the cover of Vanity Fair of all of them back together? Would be, of course she could is. Be. That'll be a big part of the whoop de doo The May the the May the Fourth whoop de doo We've been waiting for this ever since George let the cat out of the bag that Mark Harrison and Carrie oh, would be right. back. Right? Yeah, they want to make a big whoop de doo And you know what, folks? I considered that to be confirmation the day it came out of George's mouth yeah. that the big three would be back, unless they now, really reworked that outline. Yeah, I think they reworked it to feature more of the big three. Ah. Take it a little bit beyond passing the baton to the next generation, handing down the lightsaber. I think that they're going to be much more part of the focus of at least episode seven. At least episode seven. And then we'll get a trio of new young leads. Who will then, like I say, take that lightsaber and run with it. Right, right. Well, all right. So we don't have all the answers to Episode 7, but uh, certainly the pieces of the Star Wars Rebels puzzle are coming together fast and furious. And I think um, they'll uh, all be on display as it appears for WonderCon Anaheim 2014 coming up. This is uh, the day before Easter, Saturday, April 19th. There's going to be a Star Wars Rebels panel. Uh, it says members of the cast and crew of Star Wars Rebels present an exclusive look at the highly anticipated television series. It's set between episodes three and four. It is a dark time in the galaxy in the spirit of the original trilogy. That's kind of interesting that that's making the uh, official blurb, as it were, uh, in the spirit of the original trilogy. Gee, I don't know how you would feel if you were associated with the other trilogy. <laughs> In the spirit of the original trilogy, the Empire is once again the preeminent villain of the saga, and Star Wars Rebels puts the might of the Imperial Force in the spotlight, produced by Lucasfilm Animation and featuring many of the key talents from the Emmy award-winning Star Wars The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars Rebels is scheduled to premiere this fall as a one-hour special telecast on Disney Channel. It will be followed by a series on Disney XD Channel's Around the world. Oh, my God. More inconsistency going on on the reporting of how this show is going to debut. What I've been hearing is that it's going to launch over the summer with a one-hour special on Disney Channel. Not in the fall, but over the summer. Then it will be accompanied by four shorter episodes that will appear online. And these four episodes are four parts of of one whole episode. So what they essentially did was they took one episode and they chopped it up into four parts. And those little shorts will really introduce these characters. Mm. Like there'll be one for Zeb, one for mm-hmm. Kanan, one for... So the pilot is going to be split amongst four different little 
No, the the pilot actually will be that hour long special. Hour long thing. Okay. Is yeah. It, well, so well, then what do you mean this is going to introduce them? They all be already be introduced in the hour long thing, right? Well, I think I see that that's where we get into a weird area because I don't know which is coming first, ah, the oh. shorts or the hour long special. Right. That's something I'm going to have to sniff around and find out about. But the one hour special telecast is scheduled to premiere in the summer, not in the fall. Unless right. that's what we've been hearing from the beginning. Yes. Right? The yes. Unless something has changed. Yeah. Unless something has changed. But as recently, well, I heard that uh, J.J. Abrams and, and Larry Kasdan have taken over the writing. Of rebels. So <laughs> no, <maybe> no, that's <laughs> not true. All right, I'm spreading rumors now. But um, I'm hearing Dave Filoni will be attending this panel, and it will be moderated by our own David Collins. David Collins, host of RFR's. Darling, our <laughs> host of that RFR's from the wife. Uh, no, it's from Lucasfilm. You're talking too much. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, it's actually Wendy telling me Stephen Stanton is going to be on her show tomorrow. Oh, very nice. About the Ebert movie, right? No, this is going to be about his new series called The 7D, which features an all-star cast of voice talent. It's Disney's new take on The Seven Dwarfs. It's going to be an animated series. I'm sure it's going to be on your television all the time, Jason, once that debuts. That's just cool. Yeah, and so that's coming, uh, I believe, this fall. And uh, it also features D. Bradley Baker from Star Wars The Clone Wars and uh, Steven of course has a big role in it fantastic fantastic all right some uh, now this this goes back wow to November and this was part of the uh, Billy D quote of the week segment here on uh, Rebel Force Radio and um, you you may recall do we have the clip of the of the of the when this this happened here yeah you should do you have it let's see which one is it Oh, here we go. All right. So let's take you back to uh, Rebel Force Radio here in November 2013 as we featured this particular moment uh, for our Billy D quote of the week. What's the name of it? Whoops. No. All right, so this was this was Billy D at Rhode Island Comic Con. Yeah, that was hard to hear. It was. It's very hard to hear. But basically, it's uh, his 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 manager. What's his manager's name, Jim? Derek. Derek, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the interview. I guess he always does the interviews. He does. For, yeah, that's for, the thing. Now, I guess Billy D feels a little more comfortable. He's he's tired of going to conventions where they just throw him up in front of a microphone. So he prefers to have a member of his management team up there with him sort of moderating the Q&A. Yeah. And, and these two, they have a, a, a certain level of chemistry with each other, so they're always fun panels. But Kevin Lyle, our friend, Star Wars artist Kevin Lyle, was sitting there in the front row at this convention paying very close attention to this panel. And what you may have been able to make out from the audio we just played was um, uh, someone asking him about a new project and Billy referred to the project as Rebels. And then the right. manager said, whoops. And then Kevin Lyle goes. And he kicked Billy D right in the knee, under, under the table. He kicked him. <laughs> he kicked him. And then Lyle sitting there and he goes, yo, did he just say Rebel? <laughs> right. So he stands up pointing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The guy's eight feet tall anyway. Yes. He's, a, he's an intimidating presence, to say the least. And so um, Derek said no no you didn't he didn't say it like you know almost like they got 
caught with their hands in the cookie jar. Right, right. So, of course, you know, that sent uh, fandom online into a, a, a frenzy, thinking for sure that Billy D just let it slip that he's going to be featured on Rebels. And that is true from mm-hmm. a certain point of view. <laughs> yes, but we have a follow-up here. We do. Some uh, some keen eyes spotted. Uh, for those of you who are uh, subscribers to Amazon Prime or frequent visitors of the Amazon uh, website, you know that Amazon, like Netflix and some of the other uh, streaming services, have their own original programming. And something that Amazon does every year is that they have a certain number of pilots that they introduce, that they fund, and uh, folks vote, they download, and the top downloads, the top uh, uh, the, the winners actually get some sort of development deal and become a, become a series. And one of those is a show called The Rebels. <laughs> the pilot is available now. Uh, if you're an Amazon Prime uh, subscriber, you can actually check it out. And uh, the description is that Julie is in over her head when her husband suddenly dies, leaving her as sole owner of a pro, as a, of a pro football team, Billy D. Williams, as Coach Paysinger. Right. So Billy D's the coach of the team. Yep. The, the, the widow all of a sudden has got to take responsibility of this pro football team. Maybe it was her husband's dying wish. Yeah. His last words were, you know, please run the team. <laughs> and, then she, and then she met Billy D and said, I'm going to run this football team. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy D will be starring as Coach Pacinger. On uh, the Amazon Prime series, The Rebels. Good news is is that the uh, series will debut later this year. The pilot has been picked up and will be produced by Amazon Prime. So we'll be seeing Billy D as Coach Pacinger in the Amazon series, The Rebels. And, of course, we'll be featuring audio from that show as uh, Billy D quotes of the week coming up. We'll... Uh, in one of these uh, shows here coming up in the next couple of weeks, we'll take a deeper look at what that pilot's all about. But things have been just so wild and crazy in the world of Billy D. Williams lately. The man's just been everywhere thanks to his appearances on Dancing with the Stars. And so we'll have the uh, updates for you on what's been happening with Billy D. on that show coming up later in the Billy D. Quote of the Week. I hope so. I hope, I'm, I'm curious to what's going on. Because I haven't been, I haven't been watching. I have to admit. Well, like I said, I'll watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, hey, before we uh, get any further in the program, I do want to take a moment and thank our dear friends at Audible.com. You know, they've been with us for a very, very long time. Audible.com, they are your source, your number one provider for spoken audio entertainment. And as a listener of Rebel Force Radio, we know you love spoken audio entertainment. But how about best-selling books, the new books, the, the ones that people, the water, the water cooler talk, people are talking about. Uh, what about the classics? You know, just like the top 50 best films, there are those, there's those books that everybody should read, right? Uh, the classics, uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, uh, Treasure Island. I know some of you say, well, I read those in school, but I didn't read those. Those are things that you got you to check out. Those are just a sampling of over 200,000 different, that's right, 200,000 different titles to choose from at audible.com. They're, they're like the, the biggest bookstore you could ever imagine, but it's all audio. 
And in some cases, they have funded and produced their own uh, audio uh, productions of various books that have never been uh, before recorded. Uh, many times, oftentimes, they're completely unabridged, which is fantastic. And they have an enormous selection. If you're into sci-fi, if you're into fantasy, if you're into Star Wars, the expanded universe, they have an enormous selection of those and uh, top-notch production by the team that puts those together for sure. And here's the best part. You get a free book today. Just by listening here at Rebel Force Radio, what we want you to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, podcast.com slash RFR. Sign up today. There's no obligation to stay involved. Just signing up is going to get you a free audiobook. It's pretty fantastic. It could be anything you want. It could be a Star Wars book. It could be, uh, well, I don't know. I, I, you pick. You pick. Uh, you'll just you'll be absolutely addicted to it once you start. Especially if you have a long commute like I do. I would. I don't know what I would do without uh, the books at audible.com. So check it out. Audiblepodcast.com/rfr. Go there today for your free audiobook download, and we thank them so much for their support of Rebel Force Radio. Welcome to this is madness, the Star Wars character tournament. We would be honored. If you would join us. Okay, if you've been following along with the Star Wars version of March Madness at StarWars.com, they've had their annual poll for you to vote for your favorite character. It is favorite, right? Is well, it favorite? Because you know, the words matter in this thing. You know, this is about popularity. It's, it's a popularity poll, exactly. Right. So, so it's about your favorite that's right. Okay. Uh, and, uh, well, big news. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the grand champion. He beat out Darth Vader. Uh, they had the light side conference versus the dark side conference. Now, this is the second year in a row that the light side has won. Last year it was Yoda. This year it's Obi-Wan. I would have probably gone with the uh, Alec Guinness uh, incarnation of Obi-Wan. But uh, they went with the Episode 3 era Ewan McGregor. Well, I think there's a reason for that. Yeah? What's that? Because I think that... and, and The youth know, vote. This is not my personal feeling at all. Mm-hmm. But I think that Obi-Wan Kenobi, the character, has been buoyed by the prequel depiction of that character as portrayed by Ewan McGregor. And on top of it, the Clone Wars depiction of the character as portrayed by James Arnold Taylor. So I think that was what gave him the fuel to win this. I don't think Alec Guinness era Obi-Wan Kenobi would be capable of winning a contest like this unless he had his character had the, the prequels and the Clone Wars behind it in this day and age. Because I think that this sort of popularity contest sort of relies on younger fans more so than older fans. I think the younger fan is someone more likely to take part in this fun little competition more so than an older fan. So this is like when Bill Clinton was running for president and Obama was running for president. They dye their hair to make them look younger. So they're going after the youth vote. So here's the thing. After after a year in office, Ewan McGregor is going to look like Alec Guinness. That's how it works. That's how it works. So after being champion for a year, 
a lot of pressure on the champion of the This Is Madness Star Wars character tournament. This is madness. But the, the reason I want to talk about it here tonight, yes. though, Jason, yes, is yes. because you famously made a statement on this show back in January of this year that Han Solo is the most popular character in Star Wars. And I took you to task on that. And I believe, sir. Wait a minute, so, though. Okay. All right. Fine. Mischaracterize what I said. You said Han Solo most popular character in Star Wars. He said he was more popular than Boba Fett. Oh, no, 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 no. You said Han Solo was the most popular character. Don't make me have to go back and reveal <laughs> the tape. Don't make me have to go back and do that. All right, all right, all That's right. That's what started the whole conversation. Then I'm the one who said Boba Fett was more popular than Han Solo. Okay? Um, all right. And, and, and listen, if you would just let me finish talking, maybe <laughs> you would actually get some props here okay. from me. Who is all uh, the person who is always graceful in the face of defeat? <laughs> Han Solo made it to the final four in this year's This Is Madness Star Wars character popularity tournament. He made it to the final four, which I thought was impressive. I was getting texts from Kyle Newman like, You nervous? <laughs> <laughs> It's like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. If, if Han goes on to win this thing yeah. after just two or three months ago, I was yelling and screaming at Jason that Han is nowhere near the most popular character. Then, yeah. I would, Top I four. Would, Not bad. I've egg on my face. But, no, he did. He did. Yeah. He did it in, 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 in the top four. And I know Darth Vader is super popular. But let's just think about what the gist of Star Wars is. Good overthrowing evil. And I think that comes into play when fans are voting for their most favorite character. So, um, well, who was who was runner up to Vader um, on the dark side? So you had you had Han and Obi Wan, and then you had Vader and who else? Well, I'll have to go to StarWars.com right now to take a look at the brackets. All right. While you're doing that, so uh, let me just say that when it comes to popularity, I was also talking about recognition. We talked about, you know, if you if you if you went up to people on the street, you said, "Do you know who Han Solo is? Do you know who Boba Fett is?" Or showed him pictures, they would they would know who they are. So it's it yes, it's about popularity in terms of favorability and likability and all of that. But it was also about in the context of should they do or shouldn't they do a uh, a spinoff film about this character or that character. And we were talking about Boba Fett. And I said, geez, gosh, why, why, are, why is this all this clamor for a Boba Fett film? I, I just don't think he's, think he's totally overhyped. His popularity is so overstated. Uh, he's, he's popular amongst, a, a, I think, a smaller group of fans that are very, very loyal, very dedicated. But Joe Schmo on the street, his heart's going to be with Han Solo. Everybody of that original trilogy era wanted to be Han Solo. You know, he got the girl. He was uh, was was worldly, universally, whatever the Star Wars version, like galaxily, and um, had that outsider kind of thing, sort of the, the 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 James Dean rebel without a cause. Everybody loved him, so apparently, he, at least now, he's in the top four. Uh, Jim, who else is rounding out that top four along with uh, Vader, Obi Wan, and Han? All right, your final four, Jason. Yes. On the light side, we had Obi-Wan Kenobi and Han Solo. Right. 
And on the dark side, we had Boba Fett and Darth Vader. Okay. All right. Well, I was really convinced it wasn't Boba. I have a hard time believing R2-D2 lost to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I listen, I appreciate the, the impact that the character of Obi-Wan has on the Star Wars saga. But R2-D2 is Star Wars. He really is Star Wars. Everything yeah. goes through R2-D2. It goes across his desk first, you know? Yeah. Well, those and, droids, you know, I mean, just seeing a picture of them, I mean, that's, you're right. That's Star Wars. When you see those droids, no matter whether they're in a one of the films or they're in a PSA for anti-smoking, it's Star Wars. Right, right. I'm impressed with the uh, work Captain Rex did in this tournament. He uh, defeated Padme Amidala and made it <laughs> all the way down to the wow. uh, the final eight. And I was Rex in that. the top eight. Good for you, Rex. Yeah. Now, I got to say that the way that these things are kind of set up, they're sort of balanced in one direction. Um, it's it's really hard. You know, I'd almost like to see them give fans blank brackets and just let the fans mm. fill them in according to their preference. You know, well, let's see if I had R2-D2 versus. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. And then just tally all that. Gotcha. Rather than one contest at a time. Yeah, but it's okay. a voting thing. They, right, you know, right, fans right. vote on it and all, and the, and the fans have spoken. Obi-Wan Kenobi is your 2014 champion of the This Is Madness, the Star Wars character tournament. This is madness. This is madness. Fantastic. Well, good for you, Obi-Wan. I'm sure that guys like Steve Sansweet are very happy about that. Big Obi-Wan fan, of course. Well, obviously, Steve Sansweet, he uh, lives at Rancho Obi-Wan, so they must be celebrating over there. I, I think they've been going nonstop now for 72 straight hours. Right, right. right. This uh, announcement was made. or uh, well, <laughs> Right, I, yeah, it's now Rancho This Is Madness Champion. I think that's yeah. what it's called. That's how you, so if you want to book your tours, go to RanchoObiWan.org and say, set me up for the This Is Madness tour. This is madness. There you go. And that's every tour of Ranch Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk in there, it's that's madness. What you say to yourself, this is madness. But the but the the contest doesn't end there. That's right, Jason. A couple of weeks ago, we played um, Man on the Street report of uh, one of our listeners in Australia who was asking just random people. He'd hold up pictures of Star Wars characters and say, "Who is this, mate?" And they'd have to answer. <laughs> but you know, um, our uh, Loyal listener Andy Lindemann took it one step further. He actually really did a very scientific poll, and he uh, went to a certain percentage of non-fans, just regular people who might have a very slight working knowledge of what Star Wars was all about, and he presented them with a bunch of characters and asked them to identify it. So out of all the characters, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, eight characters here are his results. All right. 94.3% of those polled could identify Darth Vader. 85% could identify Yoda. 83% could identify Princess Leia. Luke Skywalker was identified by 80%. Chewbacca, 68%. R2-D2, 58%. Han Solo, this is just among 
normal people who, who <laughs> might have seen Star Wars, who don't... Normal people? Normal is that, what is that supposed to mean? What is that supposed to mean? I mean, like, not super fans like us, or people who seek out podcasts. I know, I was just channeling the uber-sensitive fan. Yes, that's me. Um, <laughs> cat's out of the bag. <laughs> but Han Solo, yeah, a measly 37.5%. Well, I don't know about measly. That's That's over a third. I think 40% actually said that's Indiana Jones. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and then 5% of the people said, hey, it's that dude from the Mosquito Coat. Oh, I was going to say, it's uh, regarding Henry. It's Henry. It's Henry. Henry. Right. And then Boba Fett. Now, here's your measly number. 15.9%. Oh. Mm. So he asked 137 people total. I don't know where he found 137. Wow. Can we send him some Little Debbies or something? We should. You know what? He wins our Little Debbies this week. All right. Let's give it to him. That's That's fantastic. Andy Lindemann wins the Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. Someone's got to win it. And uh, considering Andy did all this work, uh, we'll definitely give it to him. Yeah, Maybe Uh, he can give Little Debbies to all these people. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) like more people would recognize Little Debbie. Oh, well. Little Talk Debbie. about iconic. But um, typically what we do is we give away our little Debbie Galactic snack pack to someone who posted something mentioning their new Cosmic Cupcakes and Rebel Force Radio on Little Debbie's official Facebook page. Or they tweeted something at Little Debbie and mentioned us here at Rebel Force Radio. And then they became eligible to win a Little Debbie snack pack including Cosmic Cupcakes. And Little Debbie and Cosmic Cupcakes are the official snack cake of Rebel Force Radio. And yes, Jason, this week's winner of a Galactic Snack Pack is Andy Lindemann. Andy did all the hard work to discover that regular, normal, just casual people who might have seen Star Wars only... 15.9% 15.9% of those. Well, what, what kills me is that he says when we throw in the fans. Yeah. Uh, to round this up to 137 people that the numbers don't change. Except uh, Luke and Leia end up uh, equal. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he talked about 88 non-fans. And then he threw in some fans on top of that for 137 people total polled. Right. So, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. And so we thank Andy for contributing to our uh, our, our debate. You know, I guess the proof is in the pudding. Uh, over twice as many recognized Han Solo than Boba Fett. But he still doesn't tell us if they recognized him as Han Solo or they recognized him as Harrison Ford. Mm. I bet there's a little wiggle room in there. There might be. And and, and, and what about Leia? Like, they go, oh, yeah, man, that's the that's the princess. The princess from that movie with the buns on her head. The buns, yeah, the buns. <laughs> right, right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Andy, and enjoy those little Debbie snack cakes. It makes a great incentive item anytime you're doing a focus group like that. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and of course, little Debbie. What a great sponsor here of us at Rebel Force Radio. You know, I've been taking my little Debbie snack packs uh, to work with me. Yeah. And now everybody loves me. Before, meh, meh. I think I got a big meh from a lot of people. But now they're like, oh, that's the guy that loads up the uh, the kitchen with the little Debbies. (laughs) You're the guy. That's the guy. Well, plus I like to go, yeah, you know, 
that that little podcast thing I do, yeah, well, you know, little Debbie's a sponsor. What do you think of that? How little is that now? <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fun. It's fun. You know, little Debbie, it opens doors for you professionally. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> it's, you know what? It's helped my career. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, hopefully you've been keeping up with the Clone Wars, the Lost Missions that have premiered here uh, on Netflix. And uh, we're going to be in the cantina here in just a moment with Christian Taylor. You remember Christian Taylor. He came up on board with the Clone Wars around season three and really, I think, turned the ship around in terms of uh, storytelling. So uh, it's quite an honor to have him with us in the cantina, Clone Wars writer Christian Taylor. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello. Christian Taylor. Oh, my God. This is Jason. I'm joined with Jimmy. Hey, Christian. Welcome to Rebel Force Radio. Yay. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's, it's our pleasure. Now, you're, uh, of course, right now your current project is uh, Teen Wolf on MTV. Yeah, I'm I'm one of the uh, sort of co-executive producers and one of the directors as well. So writer director on the show, right? In the in the directing gig, that's uh, fairly recent, right? Yeah, I went to film school and and in, in New York, and then it took me twenty years to get somebody to pay me to actually direct officially. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hired yourself. You did a film on your own. You starred in it yeah, and directed it and uh, wrote it and all of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a while ago, but yeah. yes. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I understand that you had an opportunity. Worlds collided there on the set of Teen Wolf as you actually had a couple of Clone Wars actors do some cameo work. This was uh, la- I think these episodes aired last summer. Yeah, it was for my my directorial. The first one I did on the show, I had these um, these voices that needed to be done for a ghost. It was this episode was in the ghost um, sort of haunted motel. Mm-hmm. And so I had, um, I had a couple of our, our cast members do it. And it was so fantastic that they did it. And it was really fun. I, I sort of gave them a little bit of a hard time, but it was, um, <laughs> it was really good. We, we did it remotely because they were at a, at a, at a you know, a, uh, a Star Wars convention. And uh-huh. it was, and I was in the studio in LA and they did it. And it was like fantastic. It was, uh, what I'm what I'm told is it was uh, James Arnold Taylor, because yep. Obi Wan Kenobi and Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka yep. Tano. So yep. they they did ghostly voices for you, huh? They did. There was a couple. There was a couple of things. There was a couple who the hotel the motel was haunted from people who had committed suicide. So they oh. played a couple who uh, were sort of in a love bond who actually shot themselves, and you hear oh, how romantic? Voice. Yeah, it's very romantic. And then we also had. Uh, <laughs> Ashley paid a woman who drowned her child in a bathtub. Oh, so it's a family show. Is that what you're saying, Christian? It's a family show. Come show. on, kids, gather around. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, you know, it's, it's done in a clever way that it's not right. as probably terrifying as it sounds. Now, now, something that is a family show, of course, is uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. And uh, now you started with season four. How did you, how did you get the gig? 
I don't see. I actually started. Did I see oh, season four or three? I can't. I season season three. I started with. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Mortis was season three. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh! It doesn't seem that long ago. Wow. Yeah, All right. It's amazing. It was like I got. Um, we, you know, they were meeting a lot of writers, and my agent says, "Look, there's this gig and everything," and I said, "I'd love. I would love to do that because I'd heard that." You get invited up to the, you know, the ranch and you work with George and it just, it was just an incredible experience. And I, so I did season three and we did more, I did the Mortis trilogy for that. And I was like, you know, we had to, we sort of had to ask which ones we wanted to do. And I was thinking, okay, those are the ones that terrify me the most. So I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to pick those. And, mm-hmm. then, and then I got asked back and I was asked to be the sort of head writer for the next sort of two seasons. And we did that, and um, and uh, so I was sort of working with Dave, obviously very closely, sure. and with with all the writers and the scripts that came in. And sure, and now they, as as the, as the head writer, that I mean, there were some episodes that you actually were the writer, a number yeah. of episodes. But as head writer, you were sort of supervising and making kind of the quality control guy on the stories. Yeah, I mean, Dave is the guy, and always was the guy, and obviously George as well. But mm-hmm. I was sort of. The, the writer who would be in the room who could be perhaps the most vocal. You know, I would sit next to George and Dave, and then also we would have, we would get all the scripts, and then me, Dave, George, um, and, um, oh, and Carrie Silver would sort of go over what those, what the issues with the scripts were, and then we'd give more notes. And, um, right. and so I would go up several more times to the ranch to do that. Now, Dave just actually just doodled, right, throughout all the... Pretty, pretty the much, and I kind of wished that I had stolen some of those <laughs> I was like, I was like, draw me some, you know, draw me the overlords, for God's sake. Just like, have it on my wall, and he's like, well, Lucasfilm owns everything I draw. And I was like, well, they don't, they don't know that. Even in the, you just, even just doodling? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, they own his doodles. He owns Think doodles. of the backs of envelopes that they have. I know, it sounds a bit rude owning that. I know, exactly. So. Well, Christian, I, we want to get into some of the specifics uh, you know, on these episodes. Of course, a, lot yeah. of, a number of these uh, have just been seen. But, but, but before we do, a, a question that I have to ask is, you, you probably tackled the two, uh, as far as Star Wars fans are concerned, I think the two most sophisticated, cerebral, heavy arcs in the entire series, the Mortis arc and then what we just saw which was really the finale of the whole series the the, the yoda arc dealing with sifo-dyas and the cosmic force and living force all of that what were those story meetings like with well, george lucas I'm, I'm a i'm a very sophisticated cerebral um <laughs> what was the other word guy <laughs> yeah, yeah right I think it, it was they were amazing you know we, we I, you probably know a little bit about how how it worked but the writer's room was We'd be up there for ten days, and we would have we would do three stories a day, which is an incredible amount because these stories are not. Each episode is not. I I had this funny not argument, but like little sort of um, conversation with George, and I said, "You don't realize that you know on episode on network television, this content which is in an episode is is an hour of content story wise <laughs> because it's so compressed into the the Clone Wars, you know." structure sure. is so condensed but uh, you still are doing those narrative moves you know you, you have to have act breaks and you have to have those sorts of things so we would do three a day and we the first season the mortis ones were uh three storylines and then we would we got up to four storylines so it was sort of uh, the other one is four and 
Um, I just sort of decided to pick the ones that scared me the most, I think, as I said before. And I, I love, you know, m- the Overlords and the Mortis trilogy was amazing. And then the Yoda one was amazing because I think they sort of are the most spiritual aspects of the Star Wars uh, universe. And I, I think I also, I come at it sort of, I mean, I'm, I, if I was to subscribe to any religion or faith, it would be Buddhism. And I think Star Wars is informed. George has sort of said that before. Very, the Jedis are very Buddhist and I meditate every day. So I think that I sort of wanted to explore that in terms of a fantastical uh, universe. So, um, yeah, I think that was, you know, the thing that's interesting about the way we would do these stories is that you, as the writers, we would get left with um, the license to sort of put in as much, you know, the, the, the beat sheets for each story were very simple. It'd be like, this happens, this happens, this happens. And then you'd have to fill all that in yeah. because, you know, the stories weren't completely fleshed out and they allowed us to do that. And I, and, and, and that was, that was exciting. And then obviously if it deviated or, or Dave wanted to sort of, uh, you know, there's, a, there's stuff in, and we can talk about this more, there's stuff in the Yoda arcs that Dave had to, when I think he knew that Clone Wars was wrapping up, he managed to sort of put into that, that, um, those episodes to sort of try and wrap up the show. Um, and that was done sort of retroactively, if that makes sense. Sure. Like what, what sort of moments? I mean, Dave, for, you know, when I, cause I went up and I think you talked to uh, Sam about this. We had this incredible screening where we went up to Lucasfilm and they did it just for the crew. And this was before we even knew that they were going to be released on Netflix. Uh, so I, I didn't even know if they were going to have a life, but to see them projected, you know, at Lucasfilm, uh, it's incredible because it's the best, you know, one of the best sound systems in the world and all that. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, so I hadn't seen certain things. So like the last monologue that, uh, Yoda does, Dave put in, um, because that was an effort to sort of wrap the whole show up. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that he put in, which was great, you know, th- there are also some things which you wouldn't know if you were allowed to put in. So he put in the whole, which is sort of key to the whole, um, the whole structure of the of the thing, but I I kind of didn't know how far I could push it. Uh, was the whole vision that um, Yoda saw in terms of what he saw uh, was going to happen, and whether he really knew that he, you know after he saw that whether it was actually he thought to himself, well, I'm actually seeing reality, or I'm this is what could potentially happen. That's I think why he doesn't go back and say. I saw these things. Um, mm. So he, uh, Dave put that in. And then things like, for instance, you know, when Yoda faces his trials on the island, you know, within the planet, when the, when the, the, the um, priestesses send him off, uh, you know, in the outline, it was, you know, it was very, left very open in terms of like, well, Yoda faces some dark force. And I was like, <laughs> okay. What am I going to do here? So I, I, you know, that's when the writer comes in and I said, you know, the thing that I find really fascinating in in mythology and in in spirituality is the shadow aspect of of our of our existence and what Jungian sort of what is the shadow. And so that's why I had Yoda face basically his shadow and the dark side of the force is not really that sort of I believe or, or whatever that sort of 
Catholic aspect of what the demon demon the demons are, but it's more the 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 dark side that we either uh, bond with or we actually um, uh, reject, and that then gives it power. If that makes any sense. Sure. You know, one of the things we speculated about Christian was uh, whether or not that shadow of Yoda yeah. was in any way indicative of what perhaps uh, Yoda's species might have been like or or what Yoda might have been like 900 years ago. Or was it truly a uh, a spiritual opposite in a sense? Or did I, it have something to do with his 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 biology and his you know his his uh, his species. I guess I mean no. I I mean for me I I wrote it in the sense that it was literally his shadow. It wasn't. It wasn't. It would. There would be probably parts of his species who could be that. Like we mm. know we know there are very dark people in our in our uh, society that are that are serial killers or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, he it was the darkest side of what he could be, and I think. You know, my that was that was sort of where I was coming from. I think when I put that in, and I think it was the, it's you know it's not a, it's not an incredibly new um, concept, but I think it's one that's very relevant to sort of living an integrated life in terms of like you either reject your shadow or you you have your shadow actually help you exist in a powerful way as. You know the, the the fact that Yoda suddenly realizes I can't fight this. I actually have to surrender to it, and and it has to become part of me. And if I if I, I if I deny its existence, then that will only give it power. Was there ever any thought of just making it look just like Yoda, but with like a goatee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the old no. uh, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, Christian, you gave the uh, dark shadow Yoda a line of dialogue that I just can't get out of my mind. He confronts Yoda and says, how can you hate something that will give you such power? Now, when I try to break down that line of dialogue, I yeah. assume that at that moment, Yoda is giving into his hatred Mm-hmm. And so in that case, wouldn't the dark side shadow then be accepting of that because Yoda is using his hatred, which essentially is the path to the dark side? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get into it gets into sort of, you know, you'll probably correct me more than I I actually know. But I, I think my my feeling is that, you know, if you reject hatred, you realize that you're not actually you're actually giving it more power. So you actually have to use hatred and use, for instance, you know, as a man, you have to use your masculinity to actually, uh, in a good way. So, you know, whether your hatred is actually to fight bigotry or to fight um, the bad things in the world, that's how, uh, that's the strongest thing to do. Because we all have hatred, we all have anger, we all have violence, we all have these things, but if you if you don't actually use them in a positive way, does that 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 is a sort of the Jungian aspect and sort of the Buddhist aspect of like uh, don't fight them, but 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 allow it to give you power. Yeah, I I, I, I kind of liken it. I, I think that the I, I, clearly the Jedi have to use some form of aggression. I mean, Yoda says. It's for knowledge and defense, never for attack. So yeah. you see at the end of Return of the Jedi, Luke gets pushed to a point, and then he throws the saber down. He's yeah. done. 
Yeah. So yeah, and, the, yeah. and the aspect of Yoda fighting the dark side of himself is he has to surrender to it instead of fighting it because the more he fights it, the more it has power. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's actually, no, you're part of me and I have to recognize that because if I think a lot, I think we, li- we exist in a society that actually rejects our shadow aspect completely and that leads to, you know, drug addiction and it leads to sex addiction. It leads to all these other aspects instead of actually saying those, these things are actually, I am fallible. This is actually part of who I could be. And if I recognize it, I don't feed it, you know? Right. And I think right. that's another aspect of that. And whether that's part of the force thing, I, 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 I think the force is, you know, is a, is a mythological version of these aspects. So... Um, one of the one of the things that we just kept coming back to, and Jimmy will attest to this, even though there were there were moments as we were discussing these episodes and the Mortis episodes where we realized what we were what we were doing, and then we kept, we we kept doing it, which is trying to define and put these events in some sort of time or place. Mm-hmm. Is this fantasy? Is this reality? And uh, you know, we have a, a fellow who's a very close friend who's on the show many times and uh, I think also ascribes to sort of the, the more spiritual and, and, and Buddhist side of things. And he said, well, it doesn't really matter if it's yeah. fantasy or reality. It still happened in some way. So the moral and the story is still there. Uh, Christian, were you ever put in a, in, a, in a situation where you needed in your head as the writer to say, this is real, this is not, or was it all real to you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the vision towards the end, of course, is obviously fantasy uh, in my mind. But him going to Dagobah, him going to, um, you know, the, the planet of the Sith, these are, the, the, he, t- he does all that journey uh, in my mind. Mm. Like, you know, he, he actually... He travels to the planet of the priestesses. They tra- They send him on this mission. He has the mission. The actual aspect of him fighting with um, uh, with the Sith Lord, with with who he doesn't know the identity of, that is all. Is all you know him falling and all that stuff. That's part of his. That that's part of the fantasy, not mm. the fantasy, but that's part of the. It's it's not reality there. So. Um, so you had to keep that in mind as you were writing it, the, yeah. what's, what's real and what's not. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. and I think... The um, same with I, Mortis, or was that a little bit different? Mortis was different because we, it was the land of sort of illusion, I think. And um, they're, they're force wielders, but they're not like the... In my, in my mind, and you know, Dave and George would probably correct me, but it's like they're force wielders... And they are actually corruptible on, on some aspect, whereas um, the uh, the priestesses are sort of gatekeepers. If that makes any uh, sense, right? Right. No, it does. And, yeah. So, hey, Christian, did you grow up a Star Wars fan? I did. I did, but I never. You know, it's funny. I, I totally did. I mean, the films were seminal. You know, I remember distinctly going to see the first film and lining up around the block. And you know, I think I was six or seven um and i you know i would do these things where i built all the models and i had this table that <laughs> i made my mother uh build ha- have a guy build me which i would look because i had a tiny bedroom so it would lower from the ceiling on these pulleys and then <laughs> oh, wow. i actually built dagobah 
on this <laughs> table and I got one of those like I had all the plants and mud and everything and I had my my uh, X-wing was crashed into this swamp and I got this I remember I got this one of those heating elements that you put in a teacup and I heated up I had a tray of water which was the bog oh and it was gosh. Yeah, so I was a little I was that thing. Did I read all the um you know, the what's it called? The the, the expand stuff? expanded universe. Yeah. Did I ever read any of that? I didn't. And I didn't I never I never got to that aspect. So in in a funny way when I came to work with George, I didn't know any of that stuff and I think he actually liked that in a weird way because I all, I all I referenced with the were the films and what I would extrapolate from the films. So we had another writer who was ex- obsessed with all that stuff, and and he would get very like territorial about it and say, "But in the in that book that did this, that and George would be like, "I don't know what that was." <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know the movies. It's what I came up with, right? Right. I think that. That that allowed me sort of a purity of thought, which because all that stuff is very valid, but it just in the aspect of what the story George was going to tell, I think it 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 was you know he had this thing where he said it's the God what did he say he said there's the the Son the Father and the Holy Ghost and w- which aspects of like what those were you know ah, so, right let me um, guess what he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, so, you know, obviously having knowledge of the universe and, and understanding at least a preconceived notion of what the force is all about. Yeah. Do you remember the first time George started opening up about what what his take on the force was? And were you blown away? Yeah, I wish I'd recorded it on my iPhone, but that would have been, <laughs> that would have been illegal because there were a couple of moments where – you know, George would go off on these monologues and you'd be like, oh, I'm listening to, you know, it's, 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 this is the, and all of this stuff was recorded. So, you know, hopefully somebody will transcribe it all one day, but it all exists. But yeah, no, he, he talked about stuff and it became very clear and, and, and he would be, when he talked about it in that way, it became, you know, it was brilliant because it was, you, you've got it all, and you're like, okay, now I, now I clearly get all of this. Could I repeat it all now? Probably not. <laughs> if you can allow us the opportunity to be a fly on the wall in one of those meetings at Skywalker Ranch, yeah. could you tell us what you might recall about George saying anything about the balance of the Force and how he might have defined the balance of the Force? Oh God! You know I'm gonna be. It's terrible actually because now I'm like in Teen Wolf land, and it's been, it's been, that's probably like three years ago. Um, right? Oh sure. Well, how about can you, how about you? you? You yourself? Can you apply a definition to that term, balance of the force? Um. Well, I think it it goes back to the root of sort of what I was talking about before in this aspect of like, you know, what you feed. Uh, is either you feed the dark side and you are you are um, possessed by sort of jealousy and greed and guilt and all these aspects of which you know the Sith are 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 absolutely you know um, controlled by or or, or, or live in um, 
and then there is the, the, the individual who can bring balance to the force. And I think, you know, that was potentially going to be Anakin, and then he was corrupted, and then, you know, the aspect of it would be Luke. Um, and I think the force, I think, and this is my own personal thing, is, you know, I think the force is, we all carry force. And George, you know, that was what the brilliance of what, Star Wars was is that I think we all have power and it's power that we don't even really realize and I think if you live in a place of darkness and and jealousy and greed and all these aspects then you um you begin to generate that around you and I think if you but you live in a way that that um is balanced and if you are balanced then you're you're going to have a you know a better life and I think a lot of people spend a lot of hours in therapy trying to trying <laughs> trying to get to that place. But I think in terms of like you know the, the aspect of the of the force, it's it's it, it gives it gives it gave young people I think the the idea that there is something that I can control within myself that is actually can be used for good. And I think that was the, that was the, probably the most powerful aspect of star wars not not the special effects not the not and i think what what happened when when they try george maybe tried to define it with the metachlorians and everything that's when it got into trouble because it took it out of the aspect of of um of you have the power you mm. have the control you know and if you can oh, wrangle yeah. that yeah yeah we've talked we, we've talked about that quite a bit i mean it it, it, it did sort of uh, for for a lot of us, I think it changed our perception of the force and 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 surprised us. But I think that there are ways to sort of dance around it, you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but uh, something else, Christian, in your in your in your past is you actually wrote an episode of Lost, which means that you've worked for now George Lucas and J.J. Abrams. I so did uh, did you have any contact with uh, with JJ when you were working on that project? I actually worked on the first the first season of Lost. Um, so you know, as one of the writers. Um, oh, you were for the for the first season. Okay. Yeah, I I left halfway through because um, half the writing staff was was fired. Okay. All right. So was it a <laughs> the, no, it was an inv- involuntary exit? No, no, uh. it wasn't. It wasn't acrimonious. It was. I. You know, that happens in TV all the time. Sure. Um. I. I. Ca- I was brought in. I was one of four writers that was brought in to actually sort of try and figure out what the show was. And we, while they were about to go and shoot this pilot, so JJ and Damon had written the pilot, and they were off doing that shooting that and then there were four of us writers and we were having calls with Damon all the time talking about potentially what the show would be and how it would work and the aspect of different the flashbacks and all these different things were were brought up and the JJ would come in you know once they'd finished shooting the pilot JJ would come in and talk to us and then go off and and we would try and figure out what the show was and so yeah I've um, I've worked and met JJ many times. So so having worked along, you know, with with both of them. I mean, what what are your thoughts about JJ taking the helm of of Star Wars? Do you see similarities in the way that George and JJ think, or do you think it's going to be a very uh, different vision? What what are your thoughts? Just as as a fan and somebody who's worked with them both professionally. Well, I think they're both. You know, obviously, we know they're both incredibly talented and smart. Uh, people, you know, JJ's 
JJ's a really good filmmaker and he's a really good storyteller. Um, and I think um, it, I kind of, you know, I wish we were in the universe where George and JJ were actually working together on, on, the, <laughs> on the new movies, but that is not happening. So it'll be interesting to see um, to see where that goes, and 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 I think JJ is a very smart person. I think he has really good taste. I think what he did with Star Trek was really clever, and you know he had good writers who were helping him do that. Um, and I think he's he's a showman, you know, just just the same way George is. And so I think um, I think it it I, would I want to be JJ right now? I'm not sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's a terrifying thing to try and pull off. And I think it could be, but I think he'll pull it off. And I think it'll actually, he, you know, he knows how to, he really knows how to make great sort of fun, rollicking sort of scenes that, are, that have tension and that build to something. And, and I think there's an aspect to JJ that's, that is, that's really fun. So I think... Um, that needs to be in the Star Wars universe, and I think maybe the middle three, ep- three, you know, the, the 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 prequels sort of lost that as that Star Wars aspect of fun, and I think these these could be a return to that. I really hope so, and I, but uh, you know, who knows? And I and I don't know, I don't know how um, uh, Disney, you know, what Disney's agenda is as well. So right. I think I think everybody probably wants to make very good films, and I'm sure I'm sure that they'll, they'll be good. Are you going to be in line to see Episode Seven? Of course, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I don't know if I'll be in line. I'll probably be so busy, but I'll get there when it when it. Oh, I'm sure you'll be invited somewhere. I'm sure. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's all. He's all Teen Wolf now. Right. <laughs> Seriously, Christian, I mean, I know you're all Teen Wolf now, but would you ever welcome a return to the Star Wars universe? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I'm, you know, who knows what will happen. Um, there, there's, um, there's other, there's now, you know, now the universe is being opened up so much, so it's going to be great with these other films and everything. So it'll be, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for the experience I had and, that it was in a way the end of an era. So to actually work with George at the end of that era was um, an incredible experience. And and it was, you know, Dave Filoni has become a very good friend. I adore him. I think he's incredibly talented. I think we've only just seen the beginning of what he will become. Um, and I think um, I, it was, you know, I, I, w- I would love to, go back there and do something but but i think that'll be when i have probably a little bit more uh credit behind me would be would be nice i mean it's i know they're doing another animation show but they used complete you know different writers which um and i think i don't who knows what's going to happen with all that because they have so much real estate that they could could do so it'll be interesting to see and then you know there's also the the live action show that George spent a long time writing, um, and it would be interesting to see if Disney does anything with that. So, true, as a TV true. show. So. Well, Christian, I you know I, I'll say this. I, I've always wanted to be able to say this to you, and I, and I mean it. There was a huge difference uh, in 
the style and uh, direction of the show from a storytelling uh, perspective. Uh, once you came aboard, it was it's a you you go back and you watch the series, and there's greatness throughout. But it really turned a corner and really started to become um, something amazing when you jumped on board. I think you really really helped. Uh, push that show in a direction that it needed to go and you are responsible for me as a fan for uh two if not three of the most rewarding uh arcs of any uh star wars storytelling that's so um, that's very nice to hear and i mean the, the the aspect is obviously it's it's it was dave and and also the incredible artists who make made it made the show i mean from all the visual aspects were just mind-blowing you know writing those scripts was was one thing but what was so rewarding is that you would write these scripts and you could do stuff that you wouldn't normally be able to do in a live action show because on tv you couldn't afford it and in a movie it would be you know 200 million dollar movie but you could write these things and then the animators would make it and it would you know animation that we're never probably gonna see on tv ever again because george paid for it you know, and it wasn't a profitable show, I don't think. It was, it was, you know, it was keeping the Star Wars universe alive. So, you know, there were some great artists and, and I was very lucky to be invited to the, to the party. And, you know, it's funny because I, the, the, between the Mortis and, and the other, and the Yoda arc, I got to do the Younglings arc. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's arc. also a, another favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was, it was, I was funny because I was like, this season I'm going to do something completely different. And this scares me for another aspect because I was thinking this would be a, this would be a, a one that the, really the young kids would love. So it was not as dark and as, and as terrifying maybe as the other ones on, on many levels. And so it was like, oh, I get to do the young, the younglings. And it was, and that was a whole nother fantastical thing. And that's, that was the first time I'd ever, ever written for Yoda. And I was like, can I even do Yoda speak? You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kristen, was there any talk behind the scenes about spinning off that younglings arc into its own series, maybe geared toward younger Star Wars fans? Yeah, they talked about it, uh, and it was mentioned several times. And you know, I kept saying to Dave, "You better let me write the first one." Um, but they, it never happened, which was a, which was a shame. And I think they should they should do it now. You know, I think that would be that would be amazing. But who who knows what that what they're thinking? But um, but that was um, that was talked about. Yeah. And and before we let you go, uh, Christian, what's the status on that Hall and Oates musical? What's going on? <laughs> Uh, it's really sad. It's not probably going to happen. No, it'll probably happen at some point. But I, I, uh, I've, I've become so busy, yeah. and and it's, it's. I'm actually going to leave Teen Wolf now, and I'm going to go and do a new show for MTV, which um, is going to shoot in New York in the fall. So I'm, I'm about to sort of. I'm just finishing my last directing episode oh. of Teen. I'm just editing it now, so I'm going to go off and do that. So. Who knows? I'd love to revisit the Horn and Oates thing, but right now, I don't know. Somebody else may do it. Who knows? They'd be, they should. Jukebox but. musicals are really big right now, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's sort of, I think, with with Rock of Ages and the flop of the movie of Rock of Ages, I think there was a, like a, a sort of pulling back from the whole Duke's jukebox thing. And I think also they, I think that musicals are in a place now where they have to actually do something that's quite fresh uh in order for you know like like um 
um, oh god, the the um, Book of Mormon or something. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's completely fresh. It's completely vibrant. Right. And, um, I mean, the tr- the aspect of Hall and Oates is that music is fantastic, and I truly oh love it. well, you know, I mean, we just had Motown, and Motown yeah. uh, opened with uh, a lot of acclaim, and uh, it's it's fantastic. Sure. And it, you know, the music is so recognizable, you know, like the music of Hall and Oates. So it's easy to get audiences there because they recognize the music, and then you could tell them a great story. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe yeah. you know. I don't know. Well, I would like to see it. I'd like to I, see it. I, I know. I'm, I, it's sort of heartbreaking a little bit, but <laughs> it's sort of tied up in whether we can get the rights again and all that sort of sure. thing. Sure. We'll see. We'll all see. right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, keep me in mind here if, if you yeah. <laughs> any word on that. So, uh, well, Christian, thank you so much uh, for being on the program. Thank you for your in, in, amazing contribution to Star Wars and the Clone Wars specifically. I'm so happy that these episodes were actually finished and, and brought to us. And I yeah. I could not think of a better way to finish out the series than those four episodes. You, Dave, and the whole team just knocked it out of the park with those. Well, thank you so much. And and I, I hope I made some sense in what I was saying. Oh, absolutely! It's all. It's all. The the great thing about the Star Wars world is it's it's all. You can come at it from a personal place, and it's also all an enigma. And you know, it's uh, it's um, it's it was a great thing to write for, and and a, truly a dream come true. And and I made some great friends from it. So it's it's um. I, I one of the best times of my career, so I'm I'm very grateful. So thank you, and, and thank you for having me on. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck on the new show. All right, thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Boy, that's interesting that there's audio, at least audio, of all those writer meetings. I didn't realize that was all being recorded. I mean, I assumed that they, they ran some video. I mean, we've seen video footage, but it sounds like all of it's been in some way preserved. Yeah, well, George loves to archive things and document things. You know? He does. I mean, my God, that that whole meeting with him and Shaken and uh, who else is in that? Uh, when they're kind of talking about, he's walking Shaken through the story. Yeah, for the comic book in, adaptation. Insider right. actually uh, did an article on that, and they had notes. The you transcript. Goddamn transcript. There's that famous one that goes around. I, th- I think Paul sent it to us, which is the transcript of um, him and Spielberg. And uh, who else is it that they're just banging out the first two Indiana Jones movies together? Oh, uh, Have you read that? No. But oh, like, that's incredible. A Frank Marshall might have been involved in that. It or, wasn't Frank. It was Kasdan. Lawrence. Uh, it, yeah, that's who it was. It was Kasdan. It was Lucas Kasdan and Spielberg, and it's the three of them. And it's a word for word transcript. I mean, it's even like, "Are right, you going to grab that sandwich?" I mean, it's like every word that they're saying, and they're just they're just banging out the whole story, creating the characters, all that. Oh, by the way, listening to you and Christian Taylor talk theater must be like for you what it's like hearing me and Filoni talk about hockey. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's murder. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I was doing some research on it, and I'm like, damn, he wrote a musical. That's cool. And I could totally see a Hollow Notes musical opening on Broadway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. Now, 
Billy Dee quote of the week coming up in just a moment. But before we get there, I do want to take a moment to say thank you to Dorkside Toys, another longtime sponsor of us here at Rebel Force Radio. So check out what's in stock this week and available for pre-order at DorksideToys.com. That's right, new Star Wars, the the Funko Fabrications uh, vehicles, the Jumbo Kenner and Hasbro figures. All starting from just $3.99. They've also got the 6-inch Han Solo at $14.99. The brand new Black Series 3 and 3 quarter inch up for pre-order. Incredible prices and uh, also proving to be very popular. So get those pre-orders in now. That makes sure that you get the wave in mint condition and at a great price. So you don't want to pay the ridiculous second-hand market prices, wasting time and gas going from Walmart to Toys R Us to Target and paying eBay prices. None of that. Just go to Dorkside Toys and uh, make sure you pre-order these before they sell out. Very hard to come by these days. They're not swinging on the pegs like they were. Um, so, And the other thing you don't have to worry about with Dorkside is you, you get those guys. I'm telling you, those stock boys at Target, they love to take that X-Acto blade when they're slicing those box cutters. And they're slicing open those boxes, those cases, and they love to cut right down the middle of that card mm. so that you don't get a mint now it doesn't 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 matter to Jimmy Mac, doesn't matter to Jimmy Mac, loose collectors. But you know what, Dorkside Toys has stuff for you too because you can buy loose figures from Dorkside. It's amazing. So if you're a mint on card collector, if you're a loose collector, Dorkside has got you covered. Plus, new Game of Thrones, uh, 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 Magic: The Gathering, uh, like we said, the Funko. We got RoboCop. They got Walking Dead, Marvel, of course, Star Wars. We talked about GI Joe, Pulp Fiction, much much more. Those are all available uh, at Dorkside. And don't forget, if you spend $99 in the store, you get free domestic shipping. And I got to tell you, I've had probably four or five different packages from Dorkside every single time packed with care. The big peanuts, the uh, they just everything is wrapped. It's just beautifully, beautifully. I have not one issue, one complaint. And that free shipping is fantastic. So same-day shipping if you order before 1 o'clock Central Time. And they also have a super-saving flat-rate shipping option for you for $5.99, everything they can put in that box. So before you go rushing off to DorksideToys.com, we want you to go to ShotGlassDigital.com, which is the website for all of the podcasting empire here as part of Rebel Force Radio. And you're going to find a Dorkside banner there, ShotGlassDigital.com. Click on that Dorkside banner. That is your portal. That is your warp speed right into Dorkside Toys, the website, so you can order your goodies today. We thank Dorkside Toys for supporting us here at Rebel Force Radio. I meant to say hyperspace, not warp speed. <laughs> hey, at least you remember to turn the ringer off on your phone. I, I think every roundtable, I'd hear that that little Trekkie sound that your phone makes. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, we gotta we gotta put a stop to that. In Star Wars, they don't have a cool communicator. They got that that woman's razor that that no, 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 uh, Qui Gon's walking around with. Yeah, but you you have your phone like beep like R two D two. That's what you do. It's so overdone. No. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby, it's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> 
All right, Billy D on Dancing with the Stars. We've got week three recap. He's out there with partner Emma Slater, Jimmy Mack. What do you got for us this week? Well, Jason, as you know, we have been covering the exploits of Billy D. Williams as he appeared on ABC's Dancing with the Stars. And week three came and went last week. We, of course, were not on the air here at Rebel Force Radio. Uh, we were on spring break. But uh, Billy D. did make an appearance on week three of Dancing with the Stars. He was not voted out, but yet it was his final appearance. Yes, I know. Breaking hearts what? around the world. Billy D had to make the announcement that he was stepping down from the competition <sighs> due to doctor's orders because of back pain. So here it is. No. He tells Tom Bergeron exactly what's going on from week three of Dancing with the Stars. Now, Billy D. This is something that your doctor said you got to do, right? Yeah, I got this chronic back uh, problem. So uh, what's that old song, um, Miss Otis Regrets? She's unable to, to dine today. Well, Mr. Williams <laughs> regrets he's unable to dance well, today. We're, but we're sad about that, I, too. I, uh, you know, I've had a wonderful, brilliant, fantastic blast of a time. And working with this wonderful, beautiful young woman... Pure joy. That's what he says of his his time there on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It did look like he was struggling. Yeah, he wasn't. He's not moving too well. And I, I've taken note of this over the last few years, seeing Billy D at various conventions and whatnot or uh, interview opportunities. I, I've noticed that. Yeah, he sometimes does require the use of a cane. Right. Um, but his problems are his hips, and I think he did actually have a hip replacement at one time. But uh, those don't last forever. Right. Uh, you know, he may might need to go see Peter Mayhew's surgeon. Well, I was going to say, maybe he gets, needs to get on that Disney, uh, the Disney health care plan. Yeah, get on the Disney plan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, though, Billy D. Williams stepping down from Dancing with the Stars. It was just too much for his back to take. And his doctor said, no way, Jose. You know, I've had a wonderful, brilliant, mm-hmm. fantastic blast of a time. That's going to wrap things up for us this week here at Rebel Force Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been our pleasure to bring you the most positive. What do you say, Jim? The most positive, super fantastic. (laughs) The most positive, optimistic, and influential Star Wars program in the galaxy. Love it. Uh, Also, thanks to our sponsors. Boy, oh, boy, we just couldn't do it without them. Little Debbie Snack Cakes, Dorkside Toys, and Audible.com. Just couldn't ask for uh, three better uh, organizations to support us here at Rebel Force Radio. We thank them so much. Uh, Don't forget, coming up, Memorial Day weekend, Disney Star Wars weekends in Orlando. Our own Jimmy Mack is going to be there. And if you're planning to be there, 
for this or any Star Wars weekend coming up, and you're going to be traveling by air, you want to contact Kristen Go at MagicalJourneysTravel.com slash Rebel Force. That's MagicalJourneysTravel slash Rebel Force, and she will hook you up. If you'd like to play with us in between shows, you can do so by emailing us, show at rebelforceradio.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Just one rule. Make it good. You can follow us on Twitter, at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. Also, at Steve Glosson, my sometimes replacement. You can follow him <laughs> there. Uh, Facebook, boy, oh boy, you know... I'm just blown away by how much news breaks on our Facebook page. Uh, we also have links to some of the stories we talk about, some of the stories we don't get to, and just great conversation there at facebook.com slash Radio, the official Facebook page of the show. Check that out. Also, iTunes, if you're in the iOS ecosystem, or even if you're not, it's on Windows, too. You can check out iTunes. It is still the number one catalog for podcasts and what would podcasting be without apple and the folks at itunes they've really helped make it mainstream so it's a great place to check out new shows and of course all your favorite shows from the shot glass digital network are there including rebel force radio uh you can subscribe so that they're delivered right to you in your itunes account or you can write a review so please think about that. Also, the official website, rebelforceradio.com. That's rebelforceradio.com. And we are part of the thriving empire of podcasts at shotglassdigital.com. And we have our own sh- Facebook page there, facebook.com slash, sh- slash shotglassdigital. That's hard to say, slash shot, slash shot, <laughs> especially when you've had a few shots. Yeah. Also... Rebel Force Radio can be heard just about each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at srsounds.com. That's srsounds.com. We also have T-shirts available. Did we mention T-shirts? You can get those at shotglassdigital.com, your official Rebel Force Radio T-shirts. If you're going to be going to Star Wars weekends, you need yourself an RFR T-shirt, especially if you're going to be seeing Jimmy Mack. Yes. I'm telling you, man, this is like when the TV preacher goes to the Holy Land, Jimmy Mack going to Star Wars weekends. Sign up today. All right, guys. We'll see you all soon. Love you so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. You know, I've had a wonderful, brilliant, fantastic blast of a time. Took the words right out of my mouth.